Well, good morning, everyone. Let me uh, officially welcome you here to Restoration Church. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit of uh, clicking and clacking here for the next minute or two or so. Uh, we obviously had some type of uh, technical problem earlier on, and uh, what, we, what that means is we had to sort of, in 20 seconds while we were doing live worship, reframe everything we're doing. So we had a, a pretty beautiful set uh, designed where we could sit on stools and talk through some Mother's Day stuff. Uh, but in order to be able to come to you clearly, which is more important, what we're going to do now is basically sit at my kitchen table. And in many ways, this is sort of fitting. Uh, for those of you that are visiting with us, it's good for you to know that the, the biggest analogy, the, the most sort of strong description that we use at Restoration Church to describe how our church functions is a kitchen table. And what I mean by that is we simply believe the challenges of life, the blessings of life, uh, the struggles, the mountaintops and the valleys are often discussed in a family at a table just like this. So I see this morning more as an opportunity for us to genuinely have a conversation around the epicenter of what our church family believes is most important in the world. And that is this, uh, this ability to speak freely and openly and encourage each other on in Jesus. And so what's going to happen in just a minute is I'm going to uh, mention a couple of things to you and then... Our uh, wives, two couples are going to come, we'll introduce them here in a moment, but we're going to have a, a special Mother's Day panel today, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute. So if you're visiting with us for the first time at Restoration, you've, you've tuned in at a really great time. Uh, we're going to have a robust conversation about just the reality of life and families in the current world that we're living in. And I want to also mention to you the same that I did last week, that there are lots of things going on in our country and certainly in our state regarding what is available to be opened and when it can be opened. And I want you all to know that uh, right now, uh, we are intently looking at what our next steps are to be able to meet and to gather. And so as that information becomes clear to us, uh, I will make sure that it is clear to you. For now, we're gonna continue on with live streaming until we have a, a, a different opportunity. Last week, I mentioned that we wanted to sort of set up a, a middle ground until we can gather again by having sort of community group meetings on Sunday mornings in, in people's houses where you could get together for breakfast and then worship or worship and then lunch, something along those lines. That'll very likely be our next step. But until then, uh, make sure you tune in here. If you have any questions about what's going on, uh, our church is alive and well, healthy and vibrant. Uh, God's been very kind to us through this season. And as much as I'm ready to get back with you all, uh, I want to do that safely. So just uh, any questions you have about the future of where we're going during this time, please make sure you get in touch with me or our office and we'll do our best to answer your questions. Now, the last thing that I want to mention to you is the nature of what's going to happen today. Rather than me teaching uh, something on, on motherhood or the importance of motherhood, which is a very valuable uh, thing, the scripture speaks a lot about mothering, um, what I wanted to do today was to sort of bring this down to the ground level. And I've invited, uh, including myself, three couples to sit at our table. And what we want to do is, is dialogue through a couple of, of questions about the reality of parenting and, you know, sort of thriving in an environment like the world we're living in right now. And so this is something that we hope to do more of in the future. And I would encourage you um, throughout the course of this, if you have questions or things that maybe we don't address this morning, if you put that in the comments, these are the kinds of things we can address at, at other times. But I want you to feel like you are sitting, because you sort of digitally are, you are sitting at the end of my kitchen table in my home. And what we are about to do right now is discuss 
how we can be good parents and support to those who are parenting, uh, support to those who are struggling this Mother's Day. Maybe this is the first time you are uh, you know, enduring this holiday without a mother that has passed away. We're going to try to get into some of this today so that we can, we can better understand how to support each other and honor moms in a biblical way. So uh, with that said, I'd like to invite all of our families to come here and have a seat. And uh, it's truly amazing, nonetheless, that uh, we redesigned this whole thing in uh, like 15 seconds this morning. Everything that was supposed to happen was supposed to happen in another part of our house, but because of the tech difficulties, we're, we're going to do this. And so um, if we were meeting physically, I would encourage you to, uh, to encourage everyone that is sort of flexed this morning to make this happen. But for now, we'll make the best of it. So. Um, Today, I want to ask, I have seven questions here. I don't know that we'll get through them all. And uh, I realize we might look a little distant to you. So just work with us here on the best that we can with the technicalities. Um, we're going to discuss a couple, of, uh, a couple of key ideas about mothering and motherhood. And so the first thing that I want you to do, or want us to do, is to take a moment just to maybe introduce ourselves. If you've, if you've never seen some of these folks at this table, or maybe you have, what I want to do is give you a backdrop for, uh, for what is represented at this table. And so my name is Anthony. I am the pastor of Restoration Church, and uh, I have three children, but because this is Mother's Day, I'm gonna let my wife do most of the talking about, uh, about us. So if you would, just go ahead and uh, take a moment to introduce yourself and share a little bit about the, the current state of motherhood you're in. What I mean by that is, you know, we want to share how many children we have and sort of maybe their general ages, their boys or girls, so you can get a framework of the diversity of what's going on at this table. I'm Corinne. Um, my oldest is 14, so I've been a mom for 14 years. Um, my middle is, we adopted from China, Mia, she's 10, and then my youngest is Adelaide, who is 9. Anything else? Nope. Okay. I'm Laura. I have one son. He is one and a half years old, so pretty early in the journey of parenting. <laughs> and I'm Katie. We have a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old um, who's about to turn 13 this summer, and a 10-year-old who will be 11 this summer. And I have been a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, and have carried lots of different hats or worn off lots of different hats on my motherhood journey. I'm Rob, I go with her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> okay, thank you. So, uh, general introductions aside, there's a, a, a pretty diverse range of, of parenting represented at this table, from, from toddling to, um, we might even say comparable ages here, but uh, uh, the Olsons, for example, have a house full of boys, right. and uh, we predominantly have a house full of girls. My son and I are outnumbered, uh, you know, three to two here. And so that was really important as we had this conversation to recognize that uh, families look different, and there are different seasons and stages of life. And so I'm hoping that through some of these questions, you'll be able to find a, a, a connection point. Uh, even if you don't have children, there's some stuff we'll get to here in the back end of this uh, to deal with that. And so since there, there's a, a good range uh, of ages, uh, diversity here regarding our children, the first question that I really wanted to ask is, I'm curious to know, uh, when it comes to mothering in general, what ideals and expectations did you have about parenting as a mom that were changed when you actually became a mom? And what I simply mean by this is, um, and, you know, we were no different before, 
uh, we were parents, it was very easy to look at other parents and make up all of our assessments about what they should or should not have been doing, but we also didn't have a screaming kid to deal with. So uh, the first thing I want to do is really discuss a little bit here from our lady's point of view, the, the reality of what, what it was like to think about being a mother uh, and then what it actually is like to be a mother, what ideals and expectations were affirmed and maybe uh, did, you, did you learn were not necessarily as uh, accurate? Yeah, that's a great way to put it, as accurate as you thought they might have been or as accurate as your single friend said they should have been. So. Yeah. I often say parenting was a lot easier before I actually had kids. <laughs> um, I thought I knew what parenting looked like and Rob had been in youth ministry so we'd been around kids and I had been a classroom teacher with high school and middle school and late elementary school students um, doing high school um, primarily music education and so I thought I knew what being a parent would be like and I had a lot of preconceived notions like my children will never um, use a pacifier or suck their thumb and then you have a baby and they get college and kind of all that goes out the window <laughs> and parenting has kind of consistently been like that you think yeah. you know what it's going to be and then things change and you realize my ideals don't match my reality and so how do I have to flex with that and be open-minded and yet hold my values as being what's really important. What am I trying to accomplish by holding this hard line? And now how do I have to change the hard lines that I drew for myself and say, what's the value? I need to keep the value, but maybe throw out the method. I would say um, more so with older children that I think Anthony is one of the smartest people I know, and I think I worked really hard in school, and so I thought school would be automatically very important to them, and my things that were important to us would be important to them. God aside, you know, um, it's not really the case, and I had to let go and let them be kind of who God created them to be, and that's okay. Um, my son is super smart, but he's not smart in the traditional sense, and I think that he's very creative, but in a way that I would be more outdoorsy, and we're not outdoorsy people, so we've had to foster in him something that wasn't really naturally in us, but that, so I would say that was the biggest thing, is letting your kids be who mm -hmm. God created them to be, not who you want to mold them into. <laughs> so before I had my son, I had this awesome Pinterest board full of all these activities we were going to do together. <laughs> and I had already picked up my, out my favorite homeschool curriculum that I would eventually use and had all these ideals about being the perfect stay-at-home mom. Um, and then I very quickly realized that I think that I'm better off as a working mom or part-time <laughs> working mom uh, because uh, I'm I've learned that I'm better and I enjoy doing those activities more when I have a little bit of time to be outside of the home. And that really, I had to adjust to that idea that it was okay to um, want to still have something a little separate or a different part of my identity still. <laughs> so I had to adjust to that part of parenting and realize it was okay to not be necessarily a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> uh, the reason that I asked this question, and, and this is, really important thing to think about is because particularly like in Proverbs 31, that's probably like the, the verse of all verses that describes the significance of uh, womanhood and motherhood in the Bible. And uh, 
what I love about what we've just heard is that there, there's, uh, there's no mold for mothering. There are certainly biblical teachings and expectations for, for uh, who a mother is and how she honors God and, and raises children. But what I think is, is beautiful is the diverse ways that we often see uh, this happening. And that can be uh, moms in the workplace or moms in the home or moms really being whom God has created them to be. And so the, the one sort of takeaway that I hope we get from this first question is that uh, mothering or being a mom is incredibly valued in the scripture. It's something we even celebrate as a, as a culture, the importance and significance of it. But there is no one-size-fits-all uh, mantra for what it means to be a mom. I think the beauty of mothering, um, and I would probably say the same thing for fathering, is that we are all created in the image of God, but that, that creation, the way we express ourselves, looks it looks different. And so um, there's a great freedom, I think, in, in mothering in the way God leads you, and certainly mothering um, mothering in a way that uh, that really expresses who you are as a person in the way God has, has designed you. So thank you, ladies, for, uh, for sharing that. I, I have sort of a narrowing scope of questions. There's some logic to where we're going. So the second question I want to throw out is, since we have a good age, uh, range age of children represented in this room, uh, I am also curious to know, let's, let's just hit the nail on the head. Uh, we have teenagers to toddlers and everything in the middle. What has, uh, or how has the coronavirus affected you as a mom? And I guess what I want to ask is, what are some of the blessings and the challenges that these past two months have, have brought about in your uh, in your life, you know, for those of you just tuning in, maybe for the first time, we we've taken a little bit of a break from a series on suffering that I've been teaching on, and uh, that has been taught on for a reason. There's a lot of hardship in the world, but one of the main points that I try to bring out in that in that teaching was that um, God can often do great things through circumstances that are not so great. And so I'm curious, um, talk talk to us about being a mom now. What, what are you feeling? What have some of the expectations been? What, have, uh, what has maybe changed? Blessings and challenges. Well, I think that there's this idea that you're supposed to be doing all this stuff for your kids all the time. It's super educational at home. <laughs> um, and uh, like I mentioned before, I threw that out a long time ago. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, as far as that expectation, it's been nice to not necessarily to be doing everything perfectly at home. But um, for us, it's been a huge blessing that we've been able to have a little bit more time as a family. So um, before we were so busy, we would have maybe that two hours after work to squeeze in all of the parenting and everything, all of our time together before bedtime. Um, now we can let that breathe a little bit. Um, and that's been a blessing. Um, not that I'm not ready to kind of ease back into my schedule, but you know, it's been enjoyable. So we've been able to do bedtime together every night. It's been really cool. We've been able to watch Isaiah grow up more. Um, and we've been able to, you know, go on regular bike rides together and do things like that. So it's, that's been a huge blessing for us. Um, I would say the challenge has been, um, it has produced anxiety some of our kids, um, especially at first, I think we had we had to pay attention to the talks that we were having, the news that was on, and um, 
we have a child who has all the feels and feels what we feel. So when we were, I don't think we were ever scared, but I think that we just didn't know. Uncertainty provides anxiety for children. Um, so we've had a lot of sleep disturbances in our home, but I've kind of like let it go and realized it's not for forever and it's okay. I would say the other challenge has been, because um, I have kids that are in school, my kids don't love school, but they do really well with a structure and um, an order and that's been messed up. So their enthusiasm, their, it's just, I was saying this morning, we're just cross the finish line. I don't care if you're not running, if you're crawling, let's just get it done. Um, that has been a challenge, a big kind of like stop because they don't have that momentum that they get from a normal order and routine and seeing their teachers. Um, but the blessing has been time, you know, time to let go of your kid not sleeping great anymore. It doesn't matter. We don't have anywhere to go in the morning. So if you crawl into bed with us at three in the morning, it's okay. And let go. You will be fine. If this one, everybody's having this break in their educational system for these past three months. It's okay. Everybody's doing it. We're all in it together. And we have painted and baked and bike gone on bike rides so i would say the time has been the blessing yeah similarly um we've homeschooled for eight years so schooling at home isn't a huge change but it certainly disrupts our family's routine and we've always been really big on routine and um, having a predictable schedule that our kids follow our kids have always been morning risers and so we've kind of kept our by eight o'clock, you need to be starting your day. Um, and it's been really great. Uh, I've stepped into working over the last year and it's been really great for me to be straddling that better now. I'm feeling like I'm developing healthier rhythms of balancing my home life and my work life. Uh, I feel like this kind of forced me back toward figuring that out for myself. And I feel like I've reached a really healthy place where I am able to dedicate myself to work and yet also spend more time with my family and kind of refocus on that and look at the importance of how I'm going to do things maybe differently next year as far as staying involved as a homeschool mom who also happens to work quite a bit. Um, it's been a really great time in the mornings. Rob had been working with the kids this year and doing a devotional time with them in the mornings. And I was running out the door and getting ready to go to my job and do work. And it's been nice to slow down and to participate in that with my family. And we've changed our schedule a little bit so that eight o'clock is family devotion time. And we're usually out for a walk before that and we get home and we eat some breakfast and then we sit down and we have a family devotional together. And I don't want to miss that anymore. I like that this has kind of forced me to, to reevaluate what our daily schedule looks like and what's really important. And things like school time and, and dinner time haven't changed. We've always had that pretty rigorously. Um, but the flexibility of saying, what's truly important here and what don't I want to miss? There are some things that I was missing, but I'm really glad I'm not missing anymore and I intend to stay more involved with. You know, I've talked to uh, a lot of people and uh, from our church in our neighborhood and one of the interesting sort of benefits or blessings of this time, and please hear me when I say blessings. I'm not at all trying to ignore the fact that there's incredible hardship and suffering and death going on around us from this, but the, the, 
the interesting thing is, is the, the volume of times that people have mentioned time during this, this trial that we've had. And a couple of weeks ago, I read an article that said for, for Americans that uh, we have not had this amount of concentrated family time since before the Industrial Revolution. Simply meaning like, it's been about 100 years. Like, a long time ago, people lived like this a little more normally than, uh, than what it is today because the family was not necessarily traveling all over the world every, uh, every day of the week for business or work or whatever. And so um, I, I do want to encourage you all, and I'm, I'm sort of fascinated. These are not screened answers. These are truly um, transparent and off the cuff that one of the true blessings of this season right now is the fact that we've all been given an opportunity to think about what we do, how we do it. And um, I've even heard some people say that this has been sort of the nail in the coffin that has reminded them that they need to slow down, <coughs> like their life was just moving at a, an unrealistic uh, pace or clip. And so um, I don't think this is a good situation, but I do think it's a good situation that God can bring good epiphanies out of. And so I pray that you, even in your own life, think about that, the challenges and the blessings of what, have, uh, what has been brought about in this season. So another, uh, another question, since all of us have children at, uh, at different life stages, how has the coronavirus affected your children? And let me explain what I mean by this. Have you noticed anything different about the way they're uh, behaving or dealing with this major life disruption, good or challenging? And the, the reason I ask this is because you know, we all have feelings and emotions during a time like this, and uh, it's interesting. I think when when we see our children, like for example, if, uh, if the stress of this, even if our, ch our kids don't even realize this is causing stress in their lives, if they begin to, to act out, you know, based on their age, uh, it could be very easy to just think like, oh, my kids are misbehaving, or, you know, this is an issue where I need to correct something. And as adults, what happens is we just have more sophisticated ways of, act, of acting out. And so what I, what I want to discuss a little bit is the fact that these times, maybe for different reasons, um, can also be stressful for our children. So I'm curious to see or hear if, if, uh, if you've noticed anything different, any disruptions in... Um, and how our, our and your kids are actually uh, dealing with this whole circumstance. Because my encouragement here is make sure you're not correcting your child for something that really is a natural reality of, of how disrupted their lives are. So let's kick that ball around a little bit. Uh, what's life been like from the children's perspective? I think initially we didn't see a lot of change and we I mean, we did see a lot of change in that the activities ended and um, the normal routines were disrupted as far as our weekly meetings with our homeschool group that we were a part of or our ability to come to church, which is some of the primary ways our kids connect or through, you know, like a youth event that they were used to going to. And for different kids, they respond differently. We've noted that for our oldest and our youngest, who actually kind of like spending time alone and kind of enjoy recharging their batteries that way. The, the youngest one loves art and he's very expressive in that way. Or he loves just, you know, putting together Lego master builder creations. Um, it wasn't such a big deal, but for our middle child who is far more social and really um, appreciates his time with friends, it started to wear on him. And we started seeing things um, 
that we were noticing it, it was like expressions of grief at not being able to spend time with people. And so figuring out how do we mitigate that by making sure that he is spending time with, with other kids. Maybe it's from a social distance, maybe it's just via Zoom, or maybe it's um, making phone calls during the day or giving him more access to his phone for um, texting a friend during the day. We don't typically allow that during our school day, but you know, maybe we need to re relax that restriction a little bit and allow a little bit more communication with friends. We've kind of had to, again, be flexible with what we do and what we expect as far as how do we fill in that hole that he's experiencing and how do we help him kind of manage his grief. And then we've kind of noticed that I don't know if you guys noticed the first week or two it was like it was fresh wind and it was like okay this is going to be okay we're going to do this yes and then everything kind of started falling and sliding off and you kind of had to say all right my energy is gone and now what and now we're kind of hitting a more of a stride and saying we're able to start adding in some things like you can go for a bike ride with your friends and you can we're not in each other's homes but we're able to spend more time together maybe outside with people who are within that tighter circle of, of people that they're acquainted with. And I think that has helped kind of reduce um, that initial stress mm -hmm. level for our kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's hard when you're lying, you gotta watch your words, but I'm married to um, someone who knows like he knew it was going to happen. And he, I mean, in February, March, he's like, this is happening, it's coming, you know? And I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, we're fine. He's like, get the black, canned black beans and the chili ready to go. We're hovering down. And I'm like, la, la, la. So, so he watches The Walking Dead. I'm like, it's never going to get here. It's coming, it's here. I mean, we're never going out again. We, so, we live in a bunker out back. Yeah. <laughs> Because the child is just afraid and recognizing like 
it's okay, they won't be 18 in our bed. Like trying to like figure out the balance and then trying to like keep our 14 year old not go joining a gang of friends. He just, he would, you know, go sleep over at everybody's house and try to like keep that down. So that's been the challenge. What, one sort of addition to this is, um, so like, and the reason I think discussing this question is important is like for my nine-year-old having trouble sleeping, it's not because she has fully recognized the epidemiological realities of what yeah. the coronavirus <laughs> might do. She doesn't know or care anything about no. this. It's just that she is feeling that that yeah. everything around her has changed. And that's what I'm saying yeah. is, uh, you know, you, the, the reality of life being different than what it was eight weeks ago is a stress for a child. And that's why I felt like it was very important for us to to have this discussion. And I think mask to a nine-year-old can yeah. be scary. Not being able, saying, you cannot go to the grocery store. It's a big deal at first. It was a big deal for Anthony and I to go. And we had to like, you know, get prepared and make sure we had our hand sanitizer. All those little things that used to be so routine is now this big ordeal. And then they see these masks and they don't understand that, you know? So I think that there's definitely it's hard to put an adult mind, you know, remember what it's like to be a child, but it's important that we try to remember what they're thinking and yes. feeling as best as we can. I'll say I've continually <laughs> said throughout all this uh, time that I'm really glad that Isaiah's only one and a half. Yeah. Because he doesn't sure. understand what's going on to him. He's just hanging out with mom and dad. I mean, he's yeah. having a blast. Yeah. I will say I noticed that he's been missing other kids because he is definitely more like an adult than me. <laughs> Definitely very, very social. And when he sees another kid, I mean, he runs to oh, them. Yeah. Yeah. Runs. So he's he's definitely been missing it. And his his teachers in his daycare have been sending us videos, and he just like stares at them, like he misses them. I can tell. But um, I'm. It's been a much different experience for me because he's just happy to be hanging out with us all day. Cool. All right, so the, I only have a handful of questions left, but I want to I want to make sure if you're tuned in here and you are a parent, or you're you're not a parent, or you're a parent with kids that are grown, um, there is some stuff in here for you too. So don't be thinking this is like a young man's or a young woman's chat here about having uh, kids. I want to uh, broaden a little bit. I want to ask one more question about the families, and then I actually want to talk about the general construct of what it means to support um, moms whether it's in stable and healthy environments, or as I want to end this morning, um, in maybe unhealthy or un unstable environments. So uh, very briefly, I would just like to ask, is, is or are there any uh, new rhythms that have developed since there's been more concentrated time with the family? Have any new rhythms developed in uh, your family? So like for me, um, I finally had some time to have my son start mowing the grass. <laughs> so that's a new, a new rhythm. So they don't necessarily have to be Not like, a good job, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's done. done. They don't have to be like I taught my kid to read the New Testament in Greek, although that's cool. <laughs> but uh, like what, what, what has the benefit of the time brought, any, if anything, any new rhythms? Well, I've done oh, a Bible study with my children because I do homeschool them. Um, We've been going through John, so it's nice to just slow down and not have to rush it because I feel the pressure of math coming in. Um, just to slow down and try to answer sometimes their complex questions and let them think and digest it. So that's been nice. Um, a lot of baking and eating. <laughs> oh, my daughter loves to bake, and they are not bad. We're going to 
have read it one day. It's been <laughs> nice. Um, painting, and really, I'm just really thankful for where we live. I think mm -hmm. God put us in this street, on the street he knew. So having my parents next door, having friends, just that they can say hi to has been a huge help. So that's been nice. Just to be able to see friends. Because everybody's running around like chickens with their heads cut off normally. So we never see them. So it's been nice. We've been going on family car rides. Yeah. With everybody out in the car. Yeah. And maybe run through a drive-thru and eat in the car. <laughs> like a little picnic, I guess. Okay. Just to get some time for us um, out of the house. And I'm not totally sure that Isaiah likes it. <laughs> Next two questions are sort of in tandem with each other, and I, um, you know, usually I just like to speak off the cuff, but I'm going to read these two word for word because it took me a long time to write them. Um, <laughs> there's a very sort of precise way I'd like us to think about this, and certainly you all. And this is where we're going to zero out and begin to, you know, bring our time to a close to think about um, not just uh, mothering or parenting our life in our own circles, but the fact that every family in America is having some conversation. Whether they're verbally having it or not, they're, de they're dealing with this. And so the first thing that I, I want to mention is this, is how can we as Christians walk a balanced line between celebrating the amazing gift of motherhood that God has given the world, while simultaneously being aware of those who might have had less than ideal upbringings with their mom? Or maybe this is the first year that some of you are listening um, and you don't have your mom. She has uh, passed away. Or maybe... You grew up in a family where uh, you did not have a good example of motherhood, or maybe maybe you don't even know who your mom is. There's a there's a range of ways that people see Mother's Day, and while uh, we want to make sure that we celebrate this because the scripture is clear about the importance of motherhood, we also want to be empathetic for those who might not have um, the kinds of stories that necessarily seem 
like they should be celebrated. So how, how can we walk that line of celebrating uh, while recognizing fully that there might be some um, suffering, whether it's physically, spiritually, or emotionally on a day like this? And if any of you have seen the movie Inside Out, it's amazing. <laughs> and it's on Disney Plus, we've all got time. <laughs> but uh, basically the moral of the, sh the movie is that you can feel two emotions at the same time and that's totally okay. Um, and that it's good to learn how to feel more than one emotion and feel okay about that. And I think that is true of any situation where maybe you feel very blessed, but you're also very aware that somebody else maybe doesn't have that blessing that you have. Mm -hmm. So um, Wendell and I were talking about this before, and I mean, you can give your example too. I thought that was great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just want to point out Wendell has been given permission to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he's not wrong. here in America, I have a computer, I have a great school, you know, all these sorts of things, and people there don't have it, and so you, you feel like, I shouldn't have this while other people, su people suffer. Um, but I think by using my car really well over here, it shows a really good need for that car, and I use it with, like, um, all the right reasons, and then it kind of builds my compassion for those who don't have it. But if I like, kind of downplay and say, well, you know, cars aren't that big deal anyways, because, you know, some people don't have it, then the significance of a car doesn't have as much value. And with mothers, I feel like the more that I show how great all the moms are, it gives more compassion for those who don't have it, and then I'm more um, in, uh, empathetic, empathetic and incentivized to be and help what can be a mom. But to, <laughs> you know, to, to yeah. be invested in that instead of being like, well, you don't have a mom, and my mom is good, but I don't want to talk about it, so we just won't talk about moms at all, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like for me, it's good, as a, even like as a dad, being like, no, my mom is amazing. I love my mom. I have a great mom here. If you don't have a mom, you got to get one. i got to do something to help you understand, to, you know? So to me, I think like that. That's helpful. And I think it's important for us to realize our culture is very individualized, and I think while that's not knocking being an American, but I think we become so, our nuclear family is the only family, and we've never had the blessing in our entire married life of living within a short distance of our parents. The closest we ever lived for 10 months was within about five hours of one set of family, and usually it was more like mm, six to 20 hours in the, in the car away from our families. And so we've had the blessing of other people also kind of filling into those roles a little bit, and understanding that just because somebody's in your nuclear family doesn't mean that that's the only person who can act in the capacity of an older woman who you derive benefit from or who your kids might derive some benefit from. There are other people who can speak into your lives. And um, we love our mothers. They're wonderful people. We both, Rob and I, were raised in homes where we had loving, supportive, great moms who modeled for us what motherhood should look like. And it, it doesn't always look the same. I mean, I think all of us have had varied experiences. And I'm not going to say 
you can only be a good mom if, well, you know, no, our moms both at times worked when we were kids or didn't work. And I think it's just really important for us to recognize there's kind of a diversity to what being a good mom can look like. And it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who you're biologically related to. Um, I have friends who have claimed other women for their, for their moms and have said, she's my extra mom. Um, and I've certainly had women who stepped into those roles for me, not because my mom wasn't great, but because she just wasn't present at the moment. And she, this you know, older woman kind of took me under her wing and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love on you for a little bit here. And it's a huge blessing. I mean, this is a complex question. It is. And um, I don't know that I can really add any more than what they said, except that it helps as women when we do not focus our life view on other women who look like us, right? That's our job, that's our greatest gift as women and as mothers. So my mom had a rougher childhood, but she used that and was a great mother and she reconciled with her mother and honors. Her mother is now passed, but honors her mother, even though it wasn't perfect, right? Um, the women out there who marry and have infertility issues, that's huge. The weight of that grief is huge. And so I think that as, as women, as mothers, as Christians, if we can recognize the woman out there who wants to get married and can't, the woman who wants to have children who can't, the woman who wants a mother but whose mother has passed, I mean, letting them into our world, letting them into our hearts, loving them the best that we can, and acknowledging that it hurts. And we will sit with you, we don't have any answers, and we can't fix it, but those are real hurts, and it's okay. Um, that's, I don't have anything. That's yeah. There was, just to kind of bounce off of that, um, I had the opportunity to spend one Mother's Day in Honduras, and there they celebrate Mother's Day and they honor every single woman. Um, I mean, I wasn't a mom, but every one of my students gave me a Mother's Day gift. Uh, because in that culture, it was more about the idea of what, what women bring to the family yeah. and what women can bring, how God created them. To our whole yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to our culture. Um, and I thought that was just we should be Mother's Day. Yes, exactly. Our culture doesn't always necessarily value motherhood. We've had the conversation where the majority of our friends don't want to be parents. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been kind of different, too, to sort of try to encourage that value in family and creating family and a God-honoring family. That's very insightful. And I think the you know, the summary point here is just to be mindful that um, our celebration might uh, might be a, an extra reminder for somebody who has been uh, without. And that is the, the beauty of, at least the, from the angle of Christian motherhood, and that is that we want to be able to love our neighbor well, uh, and like everyone has said here, to sort of serve and bless them where we can. I, I have one last question I want to ask, so hang on with me here. This is an important one. And then I have just a couple of closing comments about how we as a church are going to honor mothers today. But here's, uh, here is my last question. What are some ways those who are not moms can show support to those who are moms? And I'd like to include how we can support 
single moms in this question too, since that is so common in our culture today. And I also want to point out that all of our children, we think, are in the front yard, like alive. And, yeah, and then, uh, so uh, I, Isaiah, Wendell Laura's child, uh, there's a need out there. So this is, this is about as, as real as it gets when we're talking about parenting and motherhood. So let me ask you again, what are some ways that those who are not moms can show support to those who, uh, who, who are moms, and, and especially single moms, folks who, uh, you know, ladies who are just at this lot in life where it's, it's them and their kids, that, that's it. How, how can we be a support network for those types of, um, uh, for, for, for those families, whatever they look like? I will never claim to know what it's like to be a single mom because I've always had the support of my husband, but I have been a temporarily single mom. Um, when Rob was in the military for eight years, I did spend 12 months flying solo as a parent while he went over and played in some sandbox and <laughs> did some crazy stuff somewhere else. Um, and he did have also several extended, whether it was two or three or four week long trips that he took elsewhere for training or for you know mobilization type things. So I, have been the sole person responsible for keeping my children alive and did not have extended family nearby the whole time to help out with that. And it's a hard road and I can really appreciate um, the struggle that that would be. And again, it's one of those, how do you invite other women and recognize that as women, we need each other to, to get through life and to have that, that circle of people, um, whether it's, from a distance when you are talking to your own family and they are providing the support or they do spend the money and buy a plane ticket or get in the car and drive for 20 hours and come and see you. Uh, or sometimes it's the friend next door who's in the same situation and you do life together as moms. And so how do you maybe find a tribe of other people who support you? Um, they might be moms like you. Or I've even had women who stepped into my life who they never had children of their own and they almost acted like a surrogate mom and a great aunt kind of a, a person to my kids. And my kids knew them well. And we would go out to dinner together and you know, she would bring coloring books and crayons for my kids that I forgot because I was too frazzled trying to get everybody's shoes on them and buckled into the car and make sure we had diapers. And, um, we need each other. And so how do we just do life together and support each other? And I think the best way to do that is to do things like this, like sit around the kitchen table. How do you invite people into your life? How do you participate in community? How do you welcome people into community together? And I just encourage you, if you are a mom whose kids are grown, if you are a mom who never um, technically had children of your own, um, but you feel an affinity toward other women in your life, if you desire to get involved in the lives of children, then Reach out to families who you have some connection with and, and be in community with them. Because I'm sure that there were even just times that I've had conversations with people on the phone and it was a huge blessing um, to know that I had their support and encouragement and prayers and that they wanted the best for me. Um, I would say I think our church, that is like the best thing about our church. Mm -hmm. um, I read a book a few years ago, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, and it wasn't anything new, but it was just like a good reminder, like, yeah, I think that this is what we already do, and I can, how can I facilitate it to be more? Um, I believe that if you're a good mom, if, if you're an aware mom, you recognize it takes a village, right? Um, 
I think God set up the Christian community on purpose like that because he knew we should not be living alone. And so I am the kind of person who loves to ask for advice or help. The other day I texted Katie and said, I need some great book lists, um, reading book lists. She excels at that. I do not. Um, I asked another friend at church who has older daughters, how did you get your kid into high school? What forms do you have to fill out? Um, who do I need to call for the algebra EOC? Helps me all the time. I have a thousand questions and she's very helpful. Um, there's another woman at church who has grown kids and who has a child very similar to one of ours and just encourages me and prays for me and just has not judgment, but wise counsel. And um, I have an older sister. I have a mother who are very, I always look to them. My sister's kids are now officially out of the nest. So it's a very different life stage. The other day she reminded me, when you pick Aiden up from high school, just listen, bring them a Slurpee, they'll talk. You'll hear more just picking them up if you just, she's like, if you can pick through the pickup, not the drop off. They talk so much, they'll tell you about your day. You'll learn so much about them. Things I would not have thought to do. A Slurpee is 79 cents once a week. Give them a Slurpee and they'll talk. I mean, that's the best 80 cents we've, we could ever spend, you know? <laughs> um, but I think our church does that well because we have multi-generational women. I had a woman at our church give me the, a book called The Eight Great Smarts, and it reminded me mm -hmm. not every, but every yeah. child is gonna be the same smart. And I think that was so encouraging. Um, so I think it takes a village, and I use the village, and I will call you, and I, I call Wendell, hey, I need help with this algebra problem. I have a friend who comes over every week and helps my kid diagram a sentence, write a paper on Nixon, help him with algebra problems. I have another friend who goes out to eat with me and lets me stare off into space because my brain is fried, and lets me talk about things other than my kids. We try to solve world problems. I mean, like, I could not do it without these people, could it? So, yeah. I a thousand percent agree. Um, I mean, I remember just a year ago when I was panic calling people at church saying, what do I do? I don't understand what's happening. Um, and they gave me great advice and they helped me realize that it was okay, that this, is, this too shall pass. <laughs> Um, and now, I'm a year and a half out, and I'm not that far along in my journey, but I've already had the opportunity to see women who are brand new moms, and I've been able to encourage them, so the cycle continues, and that's kind of awesome. Yeah. I mean, Grin, you were there when, <laughs> I mean, at one month postpartum, I was having surgery, and you were helping, helping uh, my friend watch Isaiah. I mean, it, I'm, I'm very, very thankful for the, for the network that I have, but also what you said about, um, People coming and loving my son and wanting to spend time with my son is so heartwarming to me. But it's also really heartwarming to me when people come and want to talk to me and not necessarily just my son. It's very cute very distracting. Yes. Yes. Um, and when people want to talk to me about things other than you know, parenting, sometimes it's nice to um, talk about things that are not related to that at all. Um, so we, we had the opportunity to have a women's Bible study where we, we dove into the Bible and we didn't talk at all about parenting unless it was something that was very specific to what we were talking about in that Bible section. So that was really refreshing because it was, it just, we have dynamics to us yeah. and um, different sides of us. And as 
for single parenting and supporting women who are single and men who are single parenting. Yeah. Um, I have so much respect, so much respect because I have had such a great network and if we don't have a network, I don't know. I don't know. Let's, let's just continue building that and finding people who need that and reaching out to everybody who we think might need somebody to reach out to. Them. And if you're a single parent, then yeah, reach out to our network. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we welcome you. Yeah. Text, text us. Text me. <laughs> let's go email us. Yeah. We're pretty desperate to go get coffee now. Yeah. <laughs> Even if we have to sit and roll down our windows and ask for supports a great many things, but one of the things in particular that it supports is folks who 
are enduring um, physical and domestic violence at home. And this is one of the, one of the side effects of, of, a, of a pandemic like this. For some of us, having more time with our family has been helpful. But uh, if you're in a situation where you are taken advantage of, whether you are physically um, or emotionally abused, for those people, this, is, this creates a greater crisis. And so what we wanted to do was, um, because we do believe we've been blessed as a church in this area, we, we want to share some finances with that group to be able to support um, whomever it is that walks through their doors if they found themselves in one of these unideal situations. So I want to thank you all for uh, your generosity to that fund, and I wanted you to know, at least in part, where some of that money is going. We are faithful to look for needs inside our body and in our community, and we, we really want to be able to bless people um, as, uh, as we can in those areas. So thank you for that. And I also want to say... You know, we've talked about the gospel from a very particular angle this morning, how, how this, this beauty of what it means to be a mother uh, really does display some of the great attributes and characteristics of who our God is, selflessness and uh, loving and kind, and, and the need to be uh, one who corrects at times. There's so many great attributes that can be seen in motherhood that uh, I want you to know that if maybe you, you're not a mother, or maybe if this was an interesting conversation for you today, but you're at a different place in your life. Like you're, you're asking questions about what it means to even know who Jesus is and why we like to talk about him in situations like this. Or maybe uh, you have been without a church home for some time and you like the idea that uh, community is a, an essential value for us and you would maybe have some questions about what it means to be a part of a community. Or maybe, uh, maybe you need support as a mom. Uh, what we want you to know is that our time doing this digitally is gonna end here in about a minute. But, uh, but our time with you does not end. We spend as much time uh, staying connected to and caring for people throughout the course of the week as we do this hour and 15 minutes that we have on Sunday. So if you have questions about anything we've spoken about, if you're going through something in life, if you need to be prayed for, if, if there's a way we can support you, please contact our office. All that information can be found online and we'll do our best to support you in whatever way you, we can. And I also want to thank you, uh, particularly those who are partners of faithful, uh, faithful congregants at Restoration, for your financial support. Um, you guys have continued to be generous uh, with your tithes and offerings uh, with our church during this time. And so if you have questions about how to continue doing that, you can give online through our website. You can also mail offerings into our physical uh, PO box at our land office. So uh, that information can also be found online. And if you have questions about finding that information, just uh, give us a ring and we'll let you uh, know what's going on and how you can support that. Because those monies really do go to very important and valuable things. So I thank you for your fidelity uh, to that. So that's our time this morning. And I pray that the, the way we change things up this morning has been an encouragement to you. I'd love to get some feedback from you on comments because we're considering doing something very similar for Father's Day uh, when we men will be permitted to speak at lunch. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's, uh, you know. I'll think about it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll write down the answer. Right. Right. We'll broadcast from my bunker in the backyard. <laughs> so uh, I pray you've been encouraged today. I, I want you to know that I long for the day when we can be together again physically, but until that day, we are bound together through the power of the Holy Spirit in each other and Jesus. And so uh, this week, think about what it means to be a mom, support those who are moms, bless somebody wherever you can. And as you go, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father in heaven, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you all. Uh, go in peace, stay well. Amen. Amen.